Amen. Praise God. Now, with all the provision that Jesus Christ has given to us, it is important for us to begin to ask ourselves questions. How do we flow in the grace of God? How do we flow in the grace of God? And so some of the things we've spoken about, we spoke about, we, we read about Jesus Christ and we started establishing one or two things. And one of them was we must embrace the knowledge of the truth. We must embrace the knowledge of the truth. For you see, grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So when we talk about flowing in the grace of God, multiplying, growing in this grace, experiencing more, knowledge is fundamental. Because the more of God you know, the more of his grace will be manifested in your life. Very, very important. So you see, as you know God, you begin to, to, to take God into yourself. Like Jesus said in John chapter 17, that this is eternal life, that they might know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. It's very, very important. So when we begin to know God, what it means is we are getting more into God and we are becoming more like God. Praise God. And that's why when people really know themselves, they can almost predict themselves. They can tell what you would say if some, a question was asked of you. So it's very important for us to understand that we embrace the knowledge of the truth. And then the second thing we talked about was that it's not just to embrace the knowledge of the truth of the truth we must believe and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ this is important this is important because if we don't believe and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ we will be laboring to become we will be laboring to be something that God has already provided for us We'll be laboring to do the things the Bible said that when we believe we come into his rest. And you see, you're only going to come into his rest if you believe that the work was finished. Hallelujah. The work was finished. Jesus finished the work. Everything was done. John told us, according to St. John in 1928, he said, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. Everything has been done. He finished the work. And so every time we come to church or in our own lives and we think we can begin to redo what God has done, it's not possible. Let me tell you, Jesus is not going to the cross again. He's done it once and for all. And there's nothing left that he has not done. Everything has been done. So we need to begin to believe the finished work of Christ. We need to believe that. The finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. Because when you know that he's done everything, then it's easy for you to trust and to believe him so that grace can flow in your life. It creates confidence to approach the throne of grace. It creates confidence to ask God when you are in need because you know all things are being provided. You can come to him. You trust in the finished work of Christ. All things have been done. So I'm looking for a job. All things have been done. I need to know God. All things have been done. Is it concerning me? All things have been done. 
know, one of the scriptures I like is the one that talked about Jesus Christ having spoiled principalities and power, made an open show of them and displaying it openly on the cross while he was nailed to the cross. I like that scripture. And personally, that's one of the reasons why I don't ever pray against witches and wizards. Now, believe what you want to believe, that's fine. But you see, that's why I don't do it. Because I just stand on the finished work of Christ that the Bible says he has spoiled principalities and powers and he made an open show of them. If they have been spoiled, then they are spoiled. I believe in the finished work of Christ. Because sometimes people come to church, they don't really believe in the finished work of Christ. Jesus said, I beheld Satan, fell like lightning from heaven. I am not one of those people who are going to be pulling down witches and wizards. Jesus said, I beheld. He said, I saw him when he fell. You're dealing with a fallen foe. But you see, until you believe it and trust that it has been done, you're not going to experience it. You see, your faith is in what God has done. Let me tell you something. There's, there's something that might be wrong most times. You see, our faith is not what produces things for us. Our faith, you see, our, listen to this. Our faith is in what God has done, not what we can do. Now, we might not get the semantics right. And God, because of his mercy, will continue to bless us. But you see, we do not have faith in ourselves. Jesus is the reason for our faith. And so, we believe what he has done. I was sharing with them in Blackpool, and I was talking about the law. And I said, the law is not evil. I'm going to do a series on that. You know, some people say, oh, they are grace preachers. They say the law is bad. You know, Jesus. Uh, no, 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 no. The law is not evil. The Bible said the law is holy. But you see, this is the point. The point is this, that because the law is so holy, you and I were unable to fulfill it. So Jesus fulfilled the law for us because he is impeccable, immaculate, no sin in him. So he was able to fulfill the law. Now, how do I satisfy the requirements of the law by believing in what Jesus had done? And so the Bible said that we, that we do not follow the law, just naturally, we do the requirements of the law. You don't need to tell me not to steal, steal, but I just don't steal. You don't need to start preaching to me that you don't have another God. I just don't have another God. And that's what Paul said. When you submit to the finished work of Christ, you just find yourself. You see all those ten commandments, you don't have to sit down and start keeping them. You just keep them. Hallelujah. So we must believe and trust the finished work of Christ. It's so important. Can you save yourself? You can't. That's why, that's why you know, that, 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 that's one of the reasons why Paul looked at the Galatians church and he said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? How can you begin this journey in the spirit and expect to perfect it in the flesh? We can. So we have to consistently trust and believe in the finished work of Christ. Consistently. No matter what goes wrong, whether it's in line or not in line, all things have been provided. Hallelujah. That song says, all I have ever needed. You see, you see when people listen to hymns, you know I like hymns. You know, some of them have funny lines, but some of them have great lines. It says, that song says, all things that I've ever needed, thy hand hath provided. I wonder why people go to church, sing that kind of song, and then they are after the song, they will now say, come down, oh Lord, and, and, and then begin to sing, you, you see, and then in my mind, I'm thinking, you just said, 
all things that I've ever needed, thy hand has provided. Now, I was writing something one day. I, I, can't, I can't publish it, but I wrote something on Christianity and cognitive dissonance. That the things we say and the things we believe and the things we do, they just, they're just everywhere. Everything I've ever needed, the hand had already provided, and then you don't know that the next thing, I'm going to get to that, is thanksgiving. Look at some people say, thanksgiving is powerful. He said, he has provided. If somebody has provided something, what do you do? You say, thank you. That's all. That's what the Bible emphasized to the Lord. He says, thank you. So, it's very important to believe in the finished work of Christ. So, so number three. Number three is fresh. All right. You know what I mean by fresh? We didn't say it last week. We didn't say it last week, but we said it throughout this year. So you can almost guess the key thing we talked about on Friday. Number three, you must humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You must humble yourself. For you to receive anything from anybody, you require humility. Let's make it easy. <laughs> you know, my wife was telling me a girl in this church, one of the children in the children's department, that somebody was giving somebody something and the person didn't want to receive. And the girl told the person that pastor taught us that if you can't receive from people, you are arrogant. Say, I like young girls. They, they remember what I teach. Some of us, we think we're humble. So when somebody wants to give you things, say, oh, I'm okay, thank you. You, you are a arrogant person. That's all it is. You think receiving from people bring you down. You think receiving from people will make them to look at you somehow. Anytime you think anything will make people look at you somehow, you also lack self-esteem. I don't care what you think and how you look at me somehow. If you look somehow, that's you. You are somehow. I'm not the one there somehow. To receive of someone, you need to be humble. To receive this message I'm preaching now, you need to be humble. To receive greeting from someone, you need to be humble. Because if you're not humble, <laughs> the next thing you're going to say, I don't even know why he's greeting me. To receive the humility, it's important. To receive the love of your husband, you need to be humble. To receive the respect of your wife, you need to be humble. You can't receive without humility. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's important. If somebody walks up to this place and say, you know what, I'm a multi-millionaire. I want people who know that I have more money than them and I want to give them money. The first thing you have to do is humble yourself. And know that you don't have what they have. And so you walk up to him and say, I'm one of those people who don't have a million. Please. Can you make me a millionaire? You must humble yourself. But you know that's going to be people in this place who are poor, not as church right, because church rights are not poor. Now, people who are genuinely poor, they really do not have, but they will not go to that man. You know what they're going to say? He's arrogant. Why is he talking like that? No, he's not arrogant. He's being factual. You are arrogant. It's not arrogant. He just says he has money more than you. Maybe his presentation is bad, but he really wants to help. Even if the guy was arrogant, 
if you are not arrogant, you will take your eyes away from his arrogance and your own humility will drag the blessing to you. You remember what the Kennedy shared with us? That woman looked at Jesus. Jesus said, no, I don't want dogs. The woman did not even call herself a dog. She brought herself lower than a dog. She said, even little dogs. Eat, not the bread. I don't need no bread. Crumbs. With the humility, Jesus said, I've never seen great faith. When you read your Bible, every time you see massive faith, you see humility. I'll give you an example. The centurion man that told Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. He said, you don't need to come. He said, who am I? Some of us will say, you will adjust your jacket. The pastor has never come to greet me. Greet you? If he comes, praise God. If he doesn't, let him stay. You don't need pastor. You need God. He says, speak the word. Because the man knew that where the word of a man is, there is power. And the Bible says, Ezekiel said, when he spoke to me, his spirit entered into me. The man understood that the word was more important than the physical presence of Jesus. You don't have the physical presence of Jesus now. But you know what you have? The spirit of the word. Which became flesh and dwelt and remains. Are you following what I'm talking about? Humility. And so the, the, the man said, okay. And Jesus said, I have not seen. It's called great faith. Jesus calls it. The backdrop of that great faith was his humility. Of course, understanding. Of course, knowledge. Of course, many things. But you can see the humility there. Forgetting his position. And then grace flowed. Grace. What he could not do by himself. Don't always remember the definition of grace. Grace is divine empowerment or divine influence upon the heart or upon your heart to make you do things that you cannot do by yourself. And that's why we need grace to be saved because we are not inherently good enough in our own to process salvation and be saved. And that's why the Bible says that the Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So God, God, you see, you see, that's where grace is needed. To empower us. I was talking to someone a long time ago. We're just talking about religion and things like that. A long time, I, I'm a really mean a long time ago. Probably like, minimally, maybe like 22 years ago. I can't remember very well. Maybe around 1998. How many years that? Yeah. And I told the person, I said, one of the fundamental things, and the person, to the glory of God, this is one of the reasons why the person became a Christian. I told the person, I said, the fundamental thing, you know, when you meet somebody that is intelligent, you have to come like that, like Paul. I told the person, I said, the fundamental thing, with all due respect, the person was going to Catholic, but was a Catholic, but she, she was not born again. So I told the person, I said, the fundamental thing between Christianity and everything called religion is the empowerment to live right. And that's the truth. Every religion does not give you the empowerment to live right. Only Christianity goes beyond the will to give you an empowerment to live right. So you see, a Christian has the empowerment to live above sin. Every other religion uses willpower over sin. Oh, did you get that? Christianity, there's an empowerment. That's why you need to be humble. Everything has been done for us. I'm telling you. you see, maybe sometimes it's too easy. Because it's too easy. That's why somebody has to tell you all the stuff that they tell you. Because it's too easy. 
Says when they tell you God will not answer your prayer if you don't fast for 100 days. It's a compound lie. That's not why we fast. We fast for these things. We fast so that we can be sensitive to his spirit. We can catch the things that he has done. We fast so that we are able to connect to that thing. And that's why when you fast, you see your spiritual antenna become sharp. Not to increase God, but to prepare you. Your fasting doesn't increase God's provision. It's not true. Because if you can increase God, then he's no longer God. He is God all by himself. No subtraction, no addition, no increase, no decrease. Because those words don't even exist in the dictionary of God. How do you increase someone who feels the whole universe? Increase him to feel where? But we need it. And that's where we need to be humble. And know that we are the one. He says, he says his hand is never short. He says, it's not me. My hand is not short. He said, I'm not dull. He says, but you, your sin, have separated you from me. He says, it's not me. God says this all the time. He looks at the children of Israel. He said, turn to me and be saved, all ye people. For I am God and there is no other. It's the humility of our heart that exposes us to the flow of God's power and grace. Where somebody can say, just as I am. Not with any personal plea. But that your blood was shed for me. And thou bid me to come, so I come. And the Bible says we're able to come boldly to the throne of grace. Why the boldness? Because the Bible says we have an high priest who can sympathize with the feelings of our infirmity. Why? Because he walked where I walked. He's been through everything. He paid the price. So we must be humble. Listen to this. Because sometimes we see humility from the opposite side. And we think that humility is when you say, I am a wretched person, nothing has happened, oh God. No, that is also, might be humility. But you see, the real humility is your alignment with the plan and the purpose of God. Real humility is alignment with the word of God. It's when you tell yourself everything about me, my will, my opinion, they are not important. What is important is your will, oh God. That is humility. Jesus has paid the price. Somebody says you are arrogant because you believe that. No, you are humble. They are arrogant because they want to walk for themselves. They want to be able to say, you know what? After I pray for 21 days, God answered me. No, I won't tell you I pray for 21 days. I will just say, blessed be the name of the Lord who answered me. Then it's for me to know what I did. For me to, to be able to be sensitive enough to grasp what God has done for me. So you see, so we misplace everything. So the arrogant called the humble arrogant. For you to flow in the grace of God, you need to humble yourself. You need to bring yourself in alignment with the word of God. For you to flow, you need to humble yourself. I like this scripture. It seems random, but I like it. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now, pause. The son. Who is this son that says he cannot do anything? Jesus. What is his CV? 
is the exact representation of his being. That's what the Bible says. Who being in the very nature of God, consider it not robbery to be equal to God. The Bible says in him dwells the fullness of God bodily. The Bible says it pleased God that all his fullness dwell in him. And this Jesus said, I can do nothing. Think about it. This is humility, of course, personified. He says, I can't do anything. He said, but what he sees, the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Jesus said, you know what? I don't need to bother myself. I don't need to think too much. I just copy. Look at some story says, yeah, just copy. <laughs> Jesus said, I don't, I don't need to think. He said, it's not important. He said, I can do nothing. I don't know what to do. He said, but what I, if I see him do anything, I copy it. See humility. I copy it. In, I, was, I was in a training for training trainers. You know, like Brother Shaw and some of us who do training will understand what I want to say now. I was in that training and then everybody, everybody in that place were all trainers, okay? But you know what people were doing? As individuals were presenting their own, they were also sharing their systems and formats of presentation. Say, ah! So, Wellington, how did you do that? Please, tell me. I need to start doing that. And then, James will say, ah, Cynthia, I just, I, I just like that and copied it. So what were they all doing? They were all copying for themselves. You know why? Because nobody cares about what you think about them. They just want to become better next week. They just want to be what? Better next week. Many of us will have been better if we're humble enough to copy. When I mean copy, I don't mean copy rubbish. When I mean copy, I don't mean just copy without thinking. I mean when you align with scriptures and emulate good things. Arrogance will not allow you to do it. I want to give praise to a lot of leaders and people who take Bible study in this church. And I say this with all humility. I did not tell any one of them to use slides. But I started using slides. And before I knew, many people were using slides. And more of us. And if I see them do something, I'm not going to say because I'm the senior pastor of the church, I can't learn from that. I copy. And so, somebody is doing Bible study. If I see something great, an idea, I write it down. I study it. Why can I see free knowledge and not possess it? Why? It's arrogance. You know everything. No, you don't. Open your heart. Humility will cause grace to flow. You need it. 
Jesus copied. And Jesus says something that I really like. He says, he who speaks from himself speaks his own glory. In other words, he's now telling them why he copies. <laughs> he says, he who speaks for himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. No unrighteousness is in him. So I don't need to speak mine. That's what he's saying. It was easy for Jesus to copy God because he was not seeking his own glory. Humility. We're still on it. Let's read more familiar scriptures. First Peter 5, six, 5 to 6, which I think we've read many times. Likewise, you younger people, submit, submit yourselves to your elders. Say amen. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. Now, this is serious now. Pastors don't like that line. Leaders don't like that line. Husbands don't like that line. They stay with likewise, you younger people, submit to your elders, but it's just... Remove that from their Bible now. When it says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Everybody. Everybody. The senior pastor and the general overseer has, has, has biblical injunction to be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility for God receives the proud but gives grace to the humble. Be clothed with humility. God resists the proud. God resists the proud. In other words, God just allow him to be. He, he's smart. Saying on Friday, that's why he told the Pharisees, since you can see, you don't need me to open your eyes. Since you know it all, it's all fine. It's fine. He says, only those who are sick need the physician. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Do you want grace to flow in your life? He gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God receives the proud. gives grace to the humble. We must surrender completely to God. Number four, we must lay down and surrender our own desires and interest for Jesus. We must lay down, surrender our desires and interests for Jesus. You want to flow in the grace of God? You want to flow in anything God has called you to do? You want to, you want to do your things effortlessly? If God has called you to be, to, be, to be a nurse, do you want to just do it effortlessly? You're a doctor. You're a lawyer. You're a joiner. Whatever you are, you're a caterer, you're a teacher, you, 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 whatever, whoever you are. Lay down your desires and interests for Jesus. Say, Lord, in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Every time. Consciously laying down at the feet of Jesus your interest and your desire. I say the word consciously. You remember when we read Philippians chapter 2? The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, from 5. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bird servant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. You want God's exaltation? You want to flow in his grace? Grace upon grace, effortless life. God is the one lifting you up, opening doors for you, leading you to the right person, speaking to the right person, doing the right stuff. Why not just deny yourself? Self-denial, of course, self-denial is a restraint or limitation of, of one's own desires and interests. That's self-denial. A restraint or limitation of one's desire. That's exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says, who in the very nature is God, consider it not robbery to be God. In other words, consider it not something to be grasped and embraced. And say, you know me and God, we are the same. Huh? We have been there from the beginning. I've always been there. What can God do that I don't know about? I was there. I was the word. Hmm. I was the word. When God created the earth, I was the one. I was the one. What can I not do? No. He laid it down. Jesus reckoned everything he has as nothing. He chose to make himself of no reputation. I really like that word, no reputation. You know why people can't destroy your reputation? Because you have one. If you don't have, there's nothing to be destroyed. Somebody just say, oh, you, I will, I will, I will spoil your name in this place. Your reputation will be destroyed. Which reputation? Look at some things. Even Jesus has none. Many of us, we have our reputation is too important to us. What will people say? You make a lot of errors because you wonder what people will say. How will people look at me? Sometimes somebody is looking at you funny. It's the eyes of the person that is funny. And you are having sleepless nights. You have a headache. You know, can't you see how, he, how she looked? You're the person I have a problem with his eyes. So just, you always come from the positive for yourself. And don't kill yourself over what people see. Your reputation is too important for you. And that's why you struggle to flow. I was telling the sound of gladness. Listen to this. I don't want to come here and make mistakes. But you know what? Do you know if I make any mistake? I care because I don't like to make it, but I really don't care. I really don't care because I'm not going to be thinking, oh, the people are going to say pastor messed up. It's not even part of what I think. I'm telling you the simple truth. It is not. I'm telling you the truth. If I come here, maybe I'm supposed to sing as Son of Gladness, and I sing off key. It's going to really pain me that I shouldn't be singing off key, and I say, this is my calling, this is my grace, this is this. No, 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 you shouldn't be singing off key. But you know what, what doesn't bother me is you. That's not part of my headache. No, my headache is me and God, and me fulfilling my purpose, not what you think, that I am rubbish because I sang out of key. It's really, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It, my brain is, has blocked it out. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because until you let your reputation go, you will make your life difficult. You won't be able to make any mistakes. And I want to assure you, people who can make mistakes in life cannot move forward in life. 
You don't want to make any mistake. You don't want to get it wrong. You can't flow. The grace of God is there. You don't want to push yourself and do it. Praise God. You don't want to make any mistakes. Go back to sound of gladness. And then you're always thinking like a crocodile. Because you don't want to make a mistake. You just want to stay safe and sink like a crocodile and let it be forever. Because what happens if I go off? Which day are you going to let loose and allow the grace of God upon your life to find expression? Please, please let your reputation go. Be like Jesus. Because he had no reputation. He was able to do the will of God effortlessly. And people say he had Beelzebub. He has no reputation. They say, oh, the evil spirit is in this guy. He has no. Because if you bother too much about your reputation, the grace of God will struggle to flow through you. Let me tell you another person is David. David didn't bother about reputation. Because if he had bothered about his reputation, he was not going to bring down Goliath. Because immediately he turned to his brother, the first thing they went for was his reputation. They said, we know you. You have a wicked heart. But if you come to the air, you have shown up again. <laughs> we know you now. That's why daddy sent you to the forest. To go and be fighting bear and lion alone. Maybe, maybe you will even die. Because you're, you know everything. You are always everywhere. You are always showing up. You are the only one. You have eaten enough smarties. You know more than all of us. You know. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? If he had bothered about that. Goliath will still be standing till today in Israel. But he wasn't bothering about his reputation. He didn't bother what they thought. It was their own. As the brother spoke, the Bible said he turned his back on them to carry on with his purpose. When you sit down with your reputation, I'm telling you, your purpose might be going the other direction. Let go. Let go. There are great things you can achieve if you turn your back to people who speak bad about you. Sambalat and Tobias. You will always have them. They just don't like you. Full stop. There's something you can do about it. And the more you try to impress them, the more they will not like you. Because they have been called to checkmate your progress. They're there. If you say it, they, said, they said, even if a fox climbs this wall, everything. Look at the, the, the ah, It's so disdainful. People are gathering in their thousands building a wall and then you just look at it and say, just a fox. You know a fox? You know some of the foxes, you can kick them and then they'll be doing ha ha. And then it says, even if a fox, have you not seen foxes before? Just go to East London, you see them sometimes by the trains, you know, yeah, yeah. He said, even if a fox climbs this wall, everything will collapse now. You'll just be, you will just think about it and just say, Maybe it's true. It's true. It's true. See, that means look at the saying, Jesus made himself of no reputation. And because he made himself of no reputation, whatever you do to his reputation uh, does not exist because he has none. And then that allows you to flow effortlessly in the grace of God. Because sometimes we overthink and process things. Let me get another dimension to that before we go to the last one. Paul said in Philippians 3, 7 to 8. Paul, 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 Paul. Apostle Paul, let's be sincere. That guy flowed in the grace of God. Let's be sincere. Apostle Paul, I think, no, I think, the Bible makes it clear. That guy knew what he was talking about. 
But the self-denial, the self-denial. Thank God for all the other apostles. But if we really look at their life, I don't know how many of them denied themselves as much as Paul. Because when you look at a CV, none of them had that kind of CV. Peter and all of them, they didn't, they didn't study under Gamaliel. Those Peter and them, they, didn't, they were not known. That's why they were asking Peter a question and he was denying himself. If it was Paul that showed up, they knew him. Yes. That's why he could get a letter, go to the high priest and say, I need a letter to Damascus. I want to get people destroyed. It was not like them, Peter. No, no. It was not a fisherman. Not that anything was wrong with fisherman, but he had the record in more than them. He was, he was a scholar on the Gamaliel. He, was, he, he wasn't just a Jew. He was a Roman citizen. He was a diplomat. The intelligence is... is, 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 That's why sometimes he was even told that too much learning is scattering his brain. Because when you talk to Paul, by the time... uh, Even you'll be wondering, "Eh, is it this thing we are talking about? But he said so. He said something. He said, but what things were gained to me... Listen carefully. I think we've talked about this before. Not what things were rubbish to me. Because it's easy for anybody to get rid of rubbish. It's easy for anybody to get rid of rubbish. If I tell you now we need some clothes from your house to give to charities, you know those ones that is already beside the bin. Is it not easy to just pass it on? But by the time we say you get into your wardrobe and get some five nice jackets that I want to take to charity, now that's hard. Now, Paul did more than that. He said, but what things were gained to me, not things that were lost, not things that were rubbish. He said, things that were important. He says, these I have counted. The word counted, of course, you know, the better word is reckon. Reckon as in accounting. Reckon, account. He says, I have calculated them. I have put them in this position. You understand what I'm saying? I have reckoned this loss for Christ. Yes, indeed. I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, at this level of self-denial, Lord, help me. I don't see how God will not flow through this guy. For the Bible says he gives grace, more grace to the humble. Counted everything. So, invariably, what is coming to God is God, I'm a fresh, clean paper. Very intelligent, I know but I will use it for you. I had influence, but I will use it. Everything, it's not for my gain. For me, it's loss. For you, it's gain. I'll give everything for Jesus. Paul wanted to do what God called him to do. He needed the fullness of God's power and grace to execute effectively, but not without sacrifice. So when I'm talking about submitting your interests and desires, I'm talking about self-denial. I'm talking about sacrifice. You want to flow in the grace of God? Come on, you need sacrifice. The Bible talked about Abraham. He's a friend that I speak to. He's my friend. But you know, he killed his son. For Hebrews told us that actually to God he had killed him. Because God judged the intent of the heart, not the action. And God saw that in his heart it was conclusive. The guy was gone. Are we still together? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Of course, Paul was always quick to let people know that he believed in the finished work of Christ. He says that a lot in different ways. But that's not where we're going. Where we're going, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. When he went on the cross, I followed him. Both nailed together and crucified. I don't live. Christ lives in me. Look at someone tell the person, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Tell the person, not, this, not your intelligence, not your smartness, not your sword, not your spear, not your arrow. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Denied himself. Paul did so much, but he denied himself even more. For the grace of God to flow. Hallelujah. And then I want to finish here. If I can, I might come back to this. <laughs> you really want it to flow. Ask your neighbors, tell the person, do you want the grace of God to flow? Okay. Do you want to flow in the grace of God? <laughs> now, get this clear. Let me make this clear. It's the finished work of Christ. The grace is abundant. The grace is there. So the question, you, you know, just ask yourself like this. If someone, let's go back to our a million pounds. Someone says, I have a million pounds for you and I want you to withdraw. How much would you withdraw? <laughs> How much would you withdraw? Somebody say, I will leave a penny in the account so that they won't close it. How much would you withdraw? That's the question. That's all what we're talking about. So when we're talking about flowing in the grace of God, the question is, how much do you want to withdraw? This is, this is, this is grace like the ocean. That is just human words. Because it's beyond that. This is unlimited, boundless grace available for you and I. In other words, as you are seated there, if you are interested in speaking words of wisdom and word of knowledge, that somebody come for counsel and then after two minutes you can tell the end of the challenge. Grace is available. You want to have wisdom that you can unravel every complexities of life. That there is no issue that is brought to you that you can't explain. Grace is available. You want to be an usher, you shake someone. And then they carry the hand better than they will carry it if it was Michael Jackson. For there is grace released. Not to worship you. What I'm saying is that you have transferred something. They thank God that they came to church and you smiled. Smile can be different from smile. I pray that we have the kind of smile that we smile at somebody and depression will disappear. Grace. Grace that when you go to work, you don't know the reason, but the most troubled person just came to you and say, uh-uh, Sister Jane, I have this challenge. People have never been to church. Grace. Look at some church, all these things and many more have been provided. So, number one, I want to bring it to number one before I finish and give you five. We must embrace the knowledge of the truth. 
For by knowledge it is multiplied. You must believe and trust in the finished work of Christ because you can't do it yourself. You can't work it yourself. Jesus paid by the blood. Your blood can't pay for anything. My blood can't pay for anything. No Jew, no Pope, no Archbishop of Canterbury can use his own blood to increase or decrease anything that Jesus has done. We must believe in the finished work of Christ. We must humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We must humble ourselves. We must deny ourselves. We must lay down at the feet of Jesus our personal desires and interests. We must learn to use our sword and our spear to give glory to God, not to bring glory to ourselves. Praise God. And then when we get, and then we finish on this for today. We must live a life of worship, thanksgiving, and praise. Jesus Christ, we face the most difficult problem. Hey! You know this one, maybe we'll come back to <laughs> Jesus, we face the most difficult problem. And I would expect him to face the corner, face the wall, and begin to pray and begin to sweat. But then he will do something else. John chapter 11, 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. My kabrushka. When I read things like this, I, Thanksgiving is, 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 is dangerous. I use the word dangerous because the Bible says with thanksgiving and praise, you can break the neck of your enemy. So is it not dangerous? <laughs> with thanksgiving, you can reorder things just by saying, Lord, you can enter into an office and just say, Lord, as I enter today, I give you praise because you are completely in charge and things begin to fall in the right places for you. Listen to this. I am not talking about a thanksgiving that you have, that, you, that is from your lips. Even though you are going to use your lips to express it. But I mean when genuinely from your heart of heart, you genuinely know that may him only be praised. Jesus stood in front of <laughs> a dead, stinking, four days Lazarus. Now grace was required. Everybody say extra grace. <laughs> I told you one time, say even in church, there are people you deal with, you need extra grace. There are some people in church you need normal grace. Some people you need extra required grace. You know, so some of you are friends. Simple grace is okay. But you have some friends you need extra grace. Because if you say good morning, they will say what is good about the morning. So you need another grace to explain that the morning is good. When you say the morning is good, you say, okay, what is going to happen in the afternoon? So you need another grace <laughs> to explain that. They'll say, in fact, the old days have explained that you need that. You see, you have friends like that. Say amen. You have them. There's something you can do because God created us differently. But you have some friends, it's, it's simple. When you say good morning, they will say, in fact, the old year is fine. Thank you very much, sir. Simple grace. But here is Lazarus. This one is grace. In the eyes of man, more grace is required. In the eyes of God, is the same. You know, sometimes we use our finite mind to process God. And so for us, we have different levels of sin. You understand fornication? It's a serious sin. But if you defraud at work, it's a small sin. You see, when you slander your manager and you destroy her, and you say, Cynthia is just a very useless woman, when you do that, it's not a sin. Okay? <laughs> then when uh, somebody is there, then it's a sin. Do you understand? So, our finance mind, we put things in compartments and we categorize things. In the same way, we do the same thing for problems. You do it, I do it, we all do it. 
Hello? When you have a toothache, you can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, it is gone. Amen? But if it's backache, you say, ah, this is my back. Father, you can still do it. But when, when it is more than that, you say, Lord. You see, you categorize it. Human. But for God, the grace is too massive. This is how it is for God. You need the same price to pay for all those things. And the price has been paid for all of them. The blood of Jesus was paid for that, for that, for that, and for everything. So to God, they are all the same. So for us human beings, we process this now. It's a major problem. True or false. But look at what Jesus did. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man. Now it was not Lazarus. It was a dead man. Everybody say, no, not Lazarus. A dead man. Was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father. I pray that you'll be able to flow in the grace of God. I want you to grab this. See, as I'm pausing, to even say it, I want the Holy Spirit to say it to you. Not me. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Finished now. Finished. Finished. And I know that you always hear me. But because of these people who are standing, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. If you want to flow in the grace of God, you need to be able to stand in front of any challenge in life and acknowledge that God Almighty is God. So when I'm talking about thanksgiving, praise, and worship, I, I, I'm not just talking about raising that Lord. That's not what I'm saying. That you are able to stand in front of anything and say it is possible because of God. It is possible. Am I talking to anybody? So I pray that you take that home. Thanksgiving. Let me tell you what happened. And this is very personal to many of us. What tends to happen, I'll come back to this because I want us to close. What tends to happen is this. When we face a situation that requires us to flow, we forget about God. We show up. We adjust our muscle. We do press up. We stand well. We dust our intelligence. We look at everything. All of those things are beautiful. All of those things are important. All of those things are great. But thanksgiving is a great key. And I'm going to speak more about that. If you want to flow in the grace of God, you need to be thankful. You need to worship. You need to praise God. Because it just shows that you know that you are nothing. It shows that no matter how difficult it is, Lazarus might be dead and forgotten, smelling but blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Because praise makes things happen. Paul and Silas, they prayed. They sang. The Holy Ghost came down. They prayed. They sang. The Bible said it was such a thanksgiving that even the other people in the prison had them. 
That is called humility. You know why it's humility? Because somebody will say, these people are useless. That is called self-denial. Because at that point, they need to comport themselves. <laughs> at that point, they need to behave. But they knew the God that they were dealing with. And they didn't consider what the other inmates would say. Whether they would say they are mad, they are nuts, they are nutters, they are brave, they are cracked, they are whatever they wanted to say. It was not important. They just knew that the name of the Lord be praised. We might be right in the midst of this prison. We're going to jubilate and celebrate. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah.